You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex is happening in the marriage bed. This episode is brought to you by CovenantSpice.com, the fun, safe, and affordable way for Christian couples to take their sex life to the next level. Here are your hosts, Dr. Corey Allen and Shannon Efridge. Hey, Corey. What's up? Did you... Did you have a good 4th of July this month? That's what I'm wondering. I did. It was, uh, you know, pretty uneventful. So now, that's good in my book. Does that mean you didn't see fireworks? No, no, no. We, we, we see the fireworks, but it's just we didn't have a whole lot planned. So it was just hanging out with some friends, catching the fireworks. So it was pretty relaxing. Okay. Well, that sounds a lot like the evening we had, but we made a special attempt to go see a magnificent display with a, a group of friends. And there was a game that got started very early on in this 30-minute fireworks show. Uh, there was a guy there who was a gardener, and he wanted to label each and every firework with a, with a, a name of a flower. So he starts out, oh, that one's a hibiscus. Oh, that one's a chrysanthemum. And then somebody chimed in with... Um, Disney movies, and so there was an Aladdin, and there was an Ariel, and and there was a evolved into comic characters, or Green uh-huh. Lantern and the Hulk, and and my accounting husband decided to spice things up a little by Uh-oh. assigning accounting terms to Uh-oh. these fireworks. That's way too yeah. out of control. Yeah, um, that's a debit. That's a credit. That's a FASB. <laughs> I'm just like Greg. Shut up. <laughs> no one thinks this is funny. And of course, I was fighting the urge not to say, "Oh, there's a climax. Oh, yeah. there's a multiple orgasm." You know, when Ooh. they set off three or four at a time. But there were children around, and we needed to keep it G-rated. But uh, I'm glad we don't have to keep it G-rated on this show. <laughs> and the same way that our fireworks display had to have a theme for every single moment. Uh, it seems as if there's a common theme that runs throughout so many of the emails that we get and so many of the counseling or coaching clients that we see. I want to see if if you have have recognized this pattern, too. Uh, I really have. Yes. And OK, so what would what would you say is the most common theme that people bring into counseling in regard to their sexuality? Have you seen what I see that they are just wallowing in guilt and yes. as a result, fear and insecurity. Yeah. But and guilt seems to be one of the biggest burdens that people carry. Yep. Guilt and shame. Yes. And, and I don't think that people even realize the difference between guilt and shame, that they actually are two separate emotions that right. serve completely separate roles. So I wanted to see if we could spend a show talking about the role of guilt and maybe learning to just let it go. Absolutely. What do you think? That, that sounds like a good idea. But first I want to say, hey, welcome to Sexy Marriage Radio. And we want to hear from you. So send us an email at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com because that lets us know what's on your heart, what's going on, what kind of questions you may have because we, we get questions and those are future shows and future topics because I know with this show, we've got several different emails that have come in that have kind of helped frame where we're going to go with this discussion. But we also just love hearing feedback from from our listeners because our listeners are the absolute sexiest and best listeners on the face of the planet. <laughs> and we also love it when you jump on iTunes and give any kind of reviews. That, that helps climb the charts and give us feedback and spread the message that married sex is the hotbed for sex. So, yeah, but guilt and shame. I, I like where you're going with this because I know this is something 
that strikes deep to a lot of people. Yes. And so recently I had a conversation with a coaching client. She was in her mid forties and she started off just saying that she is racked with fear and anxiety about her lustful passions raging out of control again. And I thought, okay, well, she used the word again. So when <laughs> did her lustful passions rage out of control before was, you know, the big question Logical I had. Logical next question. Yeah. So she started to uh, kind of unpack her childhood. And the fact that she started masturbating at eight was where she started. Okay. And she just felt so guilty and just so embarrassed. And just if I had learned to control it then, and but I was just such a lustful child. And I had to say, um, can we just press the pause button and establish the fact that most children sometime between the age of five and 12, and so eight would be probably an average, mm -hmm. discover self-pleasuring. Mm -hmm. They discover self-gratification. And I don't think that it means that they're lustful. I think that it just means that they discover that that part of their body feels a little bit different than their elbow or their earlobe and that they even find comfort in putting themselves to bed at night by touching themselves in those intimate places or whatever. But, you know, I just decided to let the lady go on and then she unpacked um, her next big guilt inducing um, thing was same sex experimentation when she was 10 years old with another 10 year old friend. Mm -hmm. Well, again, the vast majority of our first sexual experiences ever are usually with a same sex friend or cousin because that's who we have close proximity with. Right. We don't usually invite our opposite sex friends over to spend the night and sleep in the same bed and have slumber parties and family gatherings and vacations and stuff. So it, it's often that our first experience with another human being is going to be someone of a, hopefully a similar age, but often of the same sex. Right. But then of course she went off into a different direction that she actually had an affair at 28. And I told her, I said, okay, that I will let you feel some guilt over because that was an infraction of a, of a commitment that you made of a vow that you took. So an affair would cross the line into a guilt inducing behavior. But some of the things that have started you on this path toward all this guilt is just been false guilt. And right. I think that the, the most natural thing in the world is to evolve from false guilt into activities that actually do breed guilt for a reason. So, I wanted to kind of unpack the difference between guilt and shame. I think that what this woman felt at eight years old, at 10 years old, was just a sense of shame uh, that she assumed that what she was doing was unusual, was unnatural, was, was bad, and therefore she felt like she was bad. However, uh, guilt is basically saying, this, I mean, this, it's an emotion that is there for a reason. It's basically saying this isn't who you are. You're acting out of line with your own personal values. And the guilt is there to kind of reel you back in, to kind of save you from yourself. But the shame serves no purpose than to just make you feel bad the rest of your life. So encouraging this woman to let go of the shame from very natural sexual experiences when she was very young, but then also to let go of the guilt of something that had happened 15 years prior. Mm -hmm. She had had no repeat offenses. She was very faithful to her husband and God had forgiven her, but yet she just hadn't forgiven herself. Right. 
And I thought, how many of our listeners does that describe right there? That they have done something in their past that has either induced guilt or shame and they have just never forgiven themselves or given themselves the grace to just be human and know that I'm a sexual being and I'm, I experimented sexually as a child, either with myself or with another person, that this is a natural evolution process of growing up. It's like a rite of passage into full-blown sexual adulthood. How many clients do you deal with that are kind of stuck in that guilt and shame rut because of stuff that happened in their childhood that was just so natural to their growing up? Right. And I guess to me, it comes down to where does the guilt come from? Because you're usually talking about some sort of external parameter, rule, guideline, suggestion, law, whatever you may law, be. Law, right. <laughs> that, that is thinking, okay, you can't do that. That's wrong. And, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind is religion that has really put a lot of guilt on people when it comes to sex. But I don't know. I, mean, I, I see it. I, I've had clients that have done the They've had histories with pornography use, and so they tried for so long to become healed or or break free from that that now anything lustful, even towards a spouse, has a borderline guilt associated. Yes. And yes. man, that that's just kind of that's really limiting. Yeah, it reminds me of one woman who said, well, I refuse to do those positions or wear that kind of uh, lingerie because that's what they do in porn. Right. And I thought, well, they also kiss <laughs> and even hold hands in porn. Right. So, I mean, and they have intercourse. And they, you know, it, are you going to take all those things off of the table because of association yeah. with something that, you know, perhaps you wish you hadn't looked at? But the reality is, I think that even looking at pornography is somewhat of a natural rite of passage for a teenager because how many people do you know that has never looked at porn ever, 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 right? You know, maybe they haven't looked at porn in a number of years because of a personal conviction and, and more power to them. But the reality is, is that most of us looked at it at some point along the way in our journey. But I think that we can just say as human beings, we're naturally curious mm -hmm. and we looked to an unhealthy outlet to try to get our information and, and to satisfy that curiosity. And some of us even got addicted to it and didn't realize what a hook it would have on us. But what if we just took the guilt out of the equation? Because I think that guilt is like a ball and chain that just sinks you to the bottom of the ocean of despair right. when it comes to your own sexuality. And I think that that's where a lot of couples, or at least one member of the couple, stays, is just wallowing in guilt and shame about all things sexual mm -hmm. because they've never gotten over those icky feelings that came from some of the earliest sexual experiences that they had. And of course, people who've been sexually abused are promiscuous throughout their teenage years like I was. It can be even harder yeah. to let go of guilt and shame when you feel as if, you know, okay, it went, it wasn't just natural curiosity. It wasn't just touching myself or acting out with a same sex, you know, childhood playmate. It was, I was really entrenched. Right. It was crossing uh, the line. Crossing some major lines. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I can remember showing up at middle school in the eighth grade, feeling like I had a scarlet letter on my sweater already. I just felt like the biggest slut and whore in the, in, at Greenville junior high. But so if somebody had sat me down and said, incidentally, all these experiences that you've had up to now, 
they were just natural. It's a part of you just being curious about your own body, about other people's bodies and the sexual, sexual abuse that you're suffering right now from your uncles is in no way, shape or form your fault because right. you're 12, you're 13 right. and they're 30 something. And, and it's, they should be the ones feeling guilty and shameful, not you. But of course we just don't know those things. And when we, when we label ourselves as guilty or shameful, it's a really hard label to shake. Yeah, it is. And it, man, cause it's, there's so many ways we can go with this because society helps set the parameters. Some, you know, cause I, what comes to my mind is, um, when you just talk about our bodies and how we handle things, if you go overseas, you know, you'll come across topless beaches that are just no big deal. To, and they're family the beaches. These right. are not just swingers right. hanging out. To, yeah, to the people that to, to the people that live there and 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 frequent there, it's it's just that's the norm, you know. But to us Americans, it's like whoa, there's breasts, you know. Hey, hold on, there's you know. It's like so. It's just like wow. How do you define what brings about guilt and what doesn't? Yeah, and I think that each person has to define that for themselves right. instead of letting culture or parents or religion or a more legalistic friend or coworker right. define that for you. Right. Yeah. Cause it, um, yeah, I, I don't, man, I, I'm just trying to think of how much, how, how pervasive this is in, in married life. Yeah. And I, and I actually just thought of, you know, when you said, you know, different cultures and stuff, I thought of an experience that I actually just had recently there's some people in my church um, that I very much trust their opinions. And the ladies in the group were all saying that they had visited this spa in Dallas. It's called the King Spa. And that it's run by um, Orientals. And that they give the most amazing massages and skin treatments and exfoliation treatments. And, blah, and you just got to go. You got to go. And I was like, it sounds great. I'll go next time I'm in Dallas. They said, oh, but just so you know, everyone is nude except for the workers. And I'm like, whoa, 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 just press the pause button right there. And they said, oh no, it's, it's separate. It's a men's locker room and a women's locker room. But once you go in the locker room and, and immerse yourself in these different pools and stuff, just be aware everyone is nude. And they said, but it doesn't feel sexual at all. And so I, the verdict was out for me. It was like, okay, if I get there and I decide that I don't feel comfortable, I'll just schedule a personal massage and I won't be nude. But once I got there and I walked in the locker room, what I saw was women of all ages, right. all shapes and sizes. And it did seem like it was the most, I guess it's a very common thing in the Orient. Uh, it was the most natural thing in the world to, to be nude and to feel perfectly okay about it. And there was this woman there who was probably in her thirties and she had her probably four or five year old girl. And she said, we come here as a family at least like once a month. She said, my son has uh, or, or my husband has our son over there in the men's side. And, and she said, I just think that it's healthy for my daughter to grow up in an environment where they see that not everyone looks like an Abercrombie and Fitch supermodel. <laughs> and, and that there's nothing awkward about her own body, her own you know nudity. And she said, my hope is that she'll grow up to just be very comfortable in her own skin. Right. And when she said that, I thought, you know what, that's exactly what's been missing, I think, in certain segments of our society, particularly the home culture, the family culture, is that if you grew up in a family where to to be caught with that with your pants down or your clothes off or whatever, just, oh, just, you know, oh, 
just all this embarrassment and guilt. I think that's where it starts. Yeah. I think that your own home should be a place where if someone walks in and, and you aren't dressed, that it, it's just a natural thing to just gravitate toward a robe, but not freak out and not feel embarrassed or ashamed, or it's just, it, it's your own home. Yeah. And but I may be too liberal on that for some people, no, and I, I understand. I mean, Everybody has to define their own parameters. Yeah, there's a certain amount, though. I, I'm reminded of a story from Donald Miller when I was listening to him do a talk on the whole concept of love. And he talked about the, you know, when Adam and Eve originally were created naked and had no shame. So the culmination of creation from the Bible is that you could walk around naked and not have any shame. That that is ideally right. how it should be right. before sin entered in. <laughs> and, the, and then when sin entered in, they immediately noticed they were naked and felt shame. So there's always been an, an association of nudity and shame because it, it, it reveals kind of our own imperfection or our own humanness or our own disconnect from God or our own, well, you know, whatever you want to fill in there. But it, it seems like ever since then— people have tried to hide. I mean, there's no, and what he references in his talk is that there's no group of, of humans on the planet that walk around completely nude. There's, there's two tribes, that one's in Africa and one's in Papua New Guinea, that they, they have a rope, a little string tied around their waist. That's it. But when they take mm. that string off, they feel shame. They, they feel naked. Oh, wow. Just the simple <laughs> missing string right. is all it takes. <laughs> so it, it, if you think about it, though, that's the human condition because very, very, we don't, we don't feel good about ourselves, you know, and so mm -hmm. we do try to hide aspects of ourselves. So if you look at the way we live life, we try to make up for something from, from someone else. You know, we, we make out of, we try to make up an imperfection or an insecurity through someone else that I want to know someone else likes me so that I feel better about me. Or I want to feel love because I don't feel it within myself or, you know, so. If, or if, or if I can put clothes on this body and suck my tummy in tight enough, right. maybe I can convince the world that I look as good as some of those other supermodels, right. but probably not, but I'm still going to try. Right. <laughs> so, so it really is a, an attempt to grow comfortable in, in our own skin. And I mean, that's, that's in a microcosm. That's, that's growing up. That's life yeah. on life's terms. That's, that's, that's being human. Because and I what, want you to I want you to repost that picture of that older couple uh, in that nude embrace. Okay. If people just love that picture, and I totally see why. I love it too. That that's who I aspire to be when I grow up. I want to be so comfortable in my own skin, even when I'm almost ninety, even when I'm past ninety, that I can still be intimate with my partner. Right. I mean, because what does it take to be naked with somebody and not be shamed or or feel guilty? I mean, that's the culmination of intimacy, isn't it? That, that takes trust. Yep. That takes vulnerability. Yeah. That, that's a huge step. And, and so when you look at the way the world has put all these conditions on our sex life, on our sexuality, I mean, obviously you and I put conditions and, and limitations to our sexuality because, because we are proponents of sex happens in marriage. That's, that's where it's the best. That's only in marriage. Right. right. That's, that's where it's designed. That's that's where it's sacred. That's where it's blessed. And that's what we are big, huge proponents of. And so letting your sexual energy leak outside of your marriage is doing harm to your sex life. And 
So we still have things that can produce guilt from what, but, what but, you and I talk about. <laughs> but so many people consider the production of the sexual energy itself a guilt-inducing behavior. Okay. They think that if they feel aroused, if they feel attracted, right. if they feel tempted, then they're already guilty and therefore feel shame. Okay. But here's the reality. Attraction does not equal guilt. Right. Just because you find someone attractive doesn't mean that you're lusting after them. It doesn't mean that you're going out of your way to try to connect with them or to seduce them. Just because you feel tempted to even maybe go out of your way, but you choose not to. I mean, it, it says in the Bible that Jesus himself was tempted right. in every way, but was still without sin. I think that it's the actual sin or uh, for, you know, to use a different expression, just an infraction of your own personal values. Right. That that is where you can let guilt set up shop for just a little while to motivate you to change your behavior so that it is in line with your personal values. But there's no reason for shame. Right. There, there's absolutely no reason to feel as if just because you've done something that you consider to be bad, that doesn't make you a bad person. It makes you human. Right. And it makes you in need of mercy and grace and unconditional love, just like every other person on the planet. Wow. Amazing how that works. <laughs> so how do you then deal with shame? That come, that's associated with one, whatever aspect of your sexuality and your sex life that, that you're feeling. Well, I think you're the counselor. I would love to hear your take on this. <laughs> well, the first, the first step for me is, is you, you have to sit in that in, in the sense of where is that coming from and, and basically unpack that, that message on where did you hear that whatever it is that you're feeling guilty or shameful about and, and and that reminds me of my favorite question in the Bible when God asks, "Who told you you were naked?" Right, right. How did <laughs> you find that out? Who told you it was bad to be naked? Right. You know. So it's it's unpacking that on where did that message come from? Because I mean, I've had a client that he had a an issue with pornography as an adolescent and a college and a young adult, and so obviously sexuality and pornography was associated with guilt and shame easily understandable mm -hmm. but then when you spill that over into married life he married a woman that was pretty outgoing sexually and was into you know hey let's let's tease let's flirt let's adventuresome right behaviors. yeah let's let's when it's appropriate i'll flash you and those kinds of things you know and mm -hmm. and all of that he felt horrifically shameful about oh and 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 as as a woman, I I, am, I automatically think that poor girl that every time she's trying to reveal an intimate part of herself to her spouse, to to just have that guilt and shame right. come up that that makes me sad. Yeah. It makes me really sad for him, and it makes me really sad for her. But when he was able to at a deeper level see the correlation and realize, wait, that this is my wife. And so, sure, her sexual bits should turn me on, <laughs> you know, her, her, her body yeah. should be enticing and arousing. And, well, hey, what, okay, I have to wrestle. So he, he then took the courageous step of wrestling with that guilt in a moment-by-moment -moment basis, not just, it's not an entirety, oh, well, now I'm guilt-free. It's just this whole, no, wait, 
I need to lean into what makes me uncomfortable about this because I don't see a reason I need to be uncomfortable with it in this context. Right. To be aroused by something your spouse is doing. Right. Wow. Isn't that what the game is designed to do? Right. It's, you should be aroused by your spouse. Only be worried if you're not right. and aroused that's, that's by your spouse ever, thing. ever, ever. You know, we were, we were uh, emailed, the show was emailed at feedback at com about the idea of sexting between spouses that, okay, he was traveling for a long time and they got into this sexting pattern, but there was some guilt associated with it. <laughs> and so he's, hey, would you guys talk about that? Because why is there guilt associated with this between two, you know, between husband and wife? That's a really good question because I, I and I don't have an answer to that. You know, for a husband and a wife to speak intimately to one another is, isn't, I mean, it's perfectly legal. Yeah. Uh, you're not offending anybody else, assuming that no one else is reading your text messages. Um, you're, you're not putting a wedge between the two of you. If anything, you're creating that tension that's going to pull you together like a moth to a flame when you are in each other's presence once again. Mm -hmm. So why would there be guilt? Yeah, and that's, again, that's that almost within the moment you have to unpack it and realize and, and, and discover what's driving this. You know, why do I look back on this and feel guilty? And, and my guess is, is that this is probably someone... Um, that maybe their parents or maybe this is something that they're teaching their children that they shouldn't do, but they're looking at the act itself of sexting out of context. Like in any other context besides marriage, I would say that, yeah, sexting is crossing the line. You're right. creating some tension there that's going to be like a fire and you're going to get burned, especially if you're sending pictures of yourself to the other person. I mean, right. those can burn you whether you're married or not. You don't want that kind of stuff out there in the internet, you know, just floating around in cyberspace. But when you infuse a marriage with that activity, what's wrong with that? Right. I, I, I don't, yeah. So if they're looking for the Corey and Shannon seal of approval on sexting <laughs> within marriage, only with your spouse, only with text, not with pictures, I'd give it a thumbs up. How about you, Corey? Yeah. Um, and there's actually some services out there. Um, I think of one that's called Pair. P-A-I-R, that it's an app that's just between two couples, between two people. And mm -hmm. that's, so it's a whole social media service in a sense that's texting. So it takes it, and takes it, it out of the public realm. Right. And it, I mean, what's, Pam and I have used this at times because it, it allows you to have it, it's restricted on, you have to have a password to get into it with your phone. So you can't, someone just can't pull it, grab your phone and pull it up and, hey, what's going on between these two people? And but it also, the thing I love about it, because I've had times where I've sent some more suggestive comments to my wife. And as soon as Imagine I Imagine that. Yeah. And as soon as I hit send, I'm like, I had this momentary time of panic. Like, oh, wait, did that go to the right person? You know, because <laughs> if it's on my text, there's lots of different people in there. You know, just the string of people I communicate with fairly regularly. So that if could I be was, embarrassing. Yes, it would be. So if I had it on, you know, my own little app that it's just between Pam and I, I'm not sending it to anybody else because you can't sign on with anybody else. There you go. And so there's services so you can use. An exclusive chat room right. between the two of you. Yeah, there's services you can use to help protect it a little, but it's still out there with a technological footprint. So, you know, uh, that's just use your own judgment on on where how far you want to go with it. 
but yeah. man, if it's between but husband and wife and it helps you, go for it. Right, especially when you're apart from each other for yeah. long periods of time. I would think that that definitely would keep the home fires burning in the absence of one another. Yeah. But hey, we got another email that I was I'm really eager to hear your response to. Somebody else asked the question, what about going to a topless beach? We'd be going as a couple. Right. But yeah, what are your thoughts about that? <laughs> um Full disclosure, I love it because <laughs> I'm a boob man. I'm a breast guy, but it's not in the most healthy moment because it is one of those, ooh, wow, you know. But no, again, that comes down to the people. Um, I know we've gone a couple of times just because it's that's the area of the country we chose to go to in Mexico. And, uh-huh. and it was one of those kind of uh, – initially, it was kind of a fascination of, wow, if we've never been to something like this. This is kind of odd just to watch mm-hmm. what's going on. But then there was a, mo- a feeling of discomfort. Um, so it was like, eh, I don't know. That's – that maybe that's a little bit too tempting. Maybe that's a little bit. So for us, we've always, we love going to the Caribbean and we've chosen now to not go to places like that. Yeah. So, but that's our choice. And, right. and it really comes down to the, to the couple that if both of you are on board, okay. Yeah. I would definitely think that both of you have to be fully right. on board. It can't be one person twisted the other person's arm and talked him into it type of thing. And I remember when we were trying to book a place for our Hawaiian vacation, we found this place on vacation rentals by owner.com and it just looked so perfect and oh, I just couldn't wait. But then Greg got to reading in the fine print and he said, Shannon, it's, you know, it's directly on the beach, right? I was like, yeah, he said, it says here that it's directly on the nude beach. <laughs> I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. And we were taking our children. Right. And he said, you know, maybe if it was the two of us, I might consider it. But the fact that we're taking our teenage son, he said, I just can't feel good about that. Right. And I completely agreed right. that it just wasn't. And that would just be too awkward for them to be there with their parents. <laughs> Talk about awkward. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that it's a decision that each couple does have to make on their own. I think that there's probably as many people who would avoid it because they feel that they would be turned off by it as there are people who would want to do it because they might, or who would or would not want to do it because they might be turned on by it. Right. And let's, let's remember these are not all, uh, you know, Olympic athletes laying around nude on that beach. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. There's going to be some people on that beach who make you feel really good about yourself. That's true. (laughs) So, I mean, it really comes down to it's the conversations between husband and wife about how are you going to do life together? How are you going to do your sexuality together? What and and it's I, I don't know. My, my counsel or encouragement for our listeners for this show would be don't let guilt be the initial or the final say. Unpack and, and explore more where that's coming from before. Yes. And, and then let your values and the way you want to live life rule, not a message that was sent earlier that could be false. What we're dealing with is it's not necessarily the guilt, the, the way it really plays out. And what really harms us is the shame. And man, shame can be so limiting when it's not even necessary. So if you can put it in context, it changes the game. Well, Shannon, this has been great. And so I'm going to encourage everybody that if we left something undone, we didn't cover something well enough, please 
Send us an email, feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. So wherever you are and whatever you're doing, I hope that it's great and it's with the one you love. So we will see you next time.